Episode one today on the My Golf Spy podcast, Spy versus Spy. Tony Covey, Adam Beach. We're here with uh, Tony Covey, editor of My Golf Spy, and myself, Adam Beach, owner of My Golf Spy. And today we're going to cover the report that came out yesterday from the USGA in regards to the driver distance report. And before we really get there, I wanted to kind of go back to some of the things you and I have been talking about just behind the scenes prior to this report coming out. And that's kind of like just how this all started to kind of, in my opinion, smell a little fishy between, you know, just seem a concerted effort amongst some of the big names in the industry, whether it be the USGA or, uh, you know, they use the Bridgestone ball for testing. And then all of a sudden the Bridgestone CEO comes out and, publicly says something about rolling back the ball and then you see tiger become sponsored by bridgestone and him coming out there and then jack nicholas coming out there and saying things there was just this you know concerted effort it seemed like perceptually by these big names to get on board with this problem that they were saying existed so before we kind of get into what's going on in order to solve a problem you have to identify what the problem is and you know, the golf world has always gone about solving really simple problems, in my opinion, in very complex and convoluted ways, in ways that always seem to benefit individuals or companies rather than the golfers. So that all being said, Tony, what do you think about this report? And in your opinion, what is the actual problem? Well, I think I've been pretty clear that I don't think there is a problem. Uh, certainly, there's concerns about driving distance on tour. Or I guess, you know, as, as you start to look into this report and try and extrapolate some correlations, it's probably more than just driving distance. It's just distance in general. You know, they, they started with, with the driver here and looked at distances across all major tours as well as some amateur data. But fundamentally, the, I think the chart that probably is, is at the heart of what they're getting at is, is the score chart where they see, you know, the scale is inflated. Uh, to make it look pretty severe, but you're still talking about, you know, two to three shots on average, the lower scores since 1980. Uh, so I think, I think that's, you know, while this gets framed as a distance problem, I think fundamentally that's what the USGA sees as the problem is the lower scores. And they're trying to attribute that to distance, which, you know, there, there probably is a correlation there. And I guess to a degree, even though if you look at the report, they're very, very broad and just calling it a distance report. All the conversation has been about the golf ball and whether or not, you know, do we need to roll back the ball? And, and certainly I, I, it's at least interesting that uh, Bridgestone CEO has sort of suggested a rollback. Tiger Woods, who is now a Bridgestone athlete, has kind of been right there uh, in support of a rollback. And of course, Jack Nicholas pushing really hard. Let's talk about just Tiger real quick and Jack and Bridgestone. Meaning yesterday, uh, Bridgestone comes, you know, the CEO says he, I think, supports the rollback. And then you have Tiger Woods promoting the fact uh, yesterday in a really clever ad that, you know, he walks out to a ball and he says, oh, are you playing the Pro V1? And the guy says, yeah, he goes, and he points way back there and he says, uh, that's you back there. Uh, and then it displays a claim that the Bridgestone ball is longer than the, te you know, Pro V. And you have Jack, a guy that many don't know, makes a Nicholas Black ball that was very long. So it just seems kind of hypocritical to me that these guys are out there saying, 
they want to roll back the ball, yet both of them are out there actively promoting long balls. Yeah, there does seem to be, especially with, with Bridgestone, I think a little bit of a conflict between you know, sort of what, what the CEO has said and, and what they're doing in their ads and you know, promoting how much distance Tiger has gained and things like that. I think, I think right now they're trying to play both sides a little bit, but I think it's curious that you know, when, when we call around to, to sort of gauge manufacturers' perspective on, on the possibility of a rollback, uh, <laughs> Titleist is pretty clear on their position. Um, you know, Callaway hasn't been specific, but you, you sort of, if you look at what they're saying, kind of get the idea they're not all for it and you know Bridgestone when it comes time to to really take a stance has, has been consistently no comment so you know I, I think I think for now they're they're trying to have it both ways a little bit yeah it just all and, seems and, odd to me like I said like you have to start with in the beginning defining what the problem is and it feels like they are trying to wedge a problem into something that doesn't really exist you're trying. I really do feel like they're trying to force this, especially when you look at the charts and see that you know what happened from 2003 till now, in regards to kind of how they were trying to control distance back then, has really done a good job. Would you agree? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you know, I tell this to people all the time. Look, the, the ball isn't going to go any farther than it is right now, right? The, there, there's not sort of this this innovation curve where manufacturers are going to at least on the driving side, you might be able to squeeze a little bit out of the irons, but restrictions on the ball are, are tighter than they are on the on the driver. Yeah, so, that's a that's a misconception a lot of consu- golfers and or slash consumers have, correct? I, I think so. I mean, certainly I've even heard it, you know, thrown out there that hey, you know, there, there's nothing guys can do with the driver, but there's room with the ball, and and I would argue it's actually the opposite. Although even with the driver on tour. Because you know those guys are are getting heads that are handpicked and are right at near or rumored to be in some cases above the CT limit. You know those guys those guys have opportunity don't have the same opportunities to gain yards through equipment that is is closer to the limit than you would have on the consumer side. So yes. you know uh, on tour I think the driver is close to maxed out. The ball is pretty much close to maxed out. And so you, what you really have to look at I think. As you look at the chart, if you go back in the USGA scoring chart uh, that they published in the distance report, you know, from from 1980 to, to 2017, the, the average score has dropped from about 72 and a half to 71. So, I mean, are, are we saying that in 37 years, a, a stroke and a half is a serious problem here? That goes back to that one question. What is the actual problem? Do we have a distance problem? And then you go, okay, let's look at the actual data now that that's what is being talked about. So 2003 until 2016, things were pretty good. And then all of a sudden we saw this spike in 2017. So let's address this spike that they are using, I think, to their benefit to wedge in the fact that we have a distance problem and address some of the reasons that that jump could have potentially happened. So one... Pretty simple. A lot of guys went from Nike equipment when Nike left the industry to other equipment. And and what did you see happen there, Tony? I mean, there are definitely gains. You know, we mentioned. I think I think Rory picked up big yards. Um, Tommy Fleetwood has picked up big yards, and we pulled for something else we were working on. We looked at Brooks Kepka, and he's picked up double-digit driver distances. You're looking at an average of I think 7.1 yards. I mean, that's more yards than all these reports. Combined, I mean, just yeah, that I, you know, I think I think if we're, I don't think there was 
a massive number of Nike guys out there. So I don't, I don't think you're going to see, you know, you, you can't attribute everything to the Nike guys, but certainly it's a contributing factor, right? When you have, when you have a handful plus of, of PGA tour pros picking up you know, double digit gains year over year in driver distance, that's, and again, yeah, probably all of those guys change balls at some point, but you know, I, I think those, like I said, contributing factors, not enough to, to create the, the huge jump. But, you know, certainly when we look at some of the, you know, Tyler sent out that press release and, you know, we talked to them before it went out and some of their data where they actually looked at, you know, they compared venue to venue, uh, year over year, venue to venue. And then they took a closer look at, all right, what do we, I, I think I want to say it's 36, something like that, where, you know, 36 times that the same courses were played in 2016 and 2017. And then they looked at the, the guys who were in the field for both of, both of those events. And, you know, the gain was a half a yard, I believe. So, so if we're adding this up, you've got Nike equipment, you've got, you know, soaking wet conditions one year, not the next. Then you've got, since 1980, swing speeds have gone up 10 miles an hour. That's just due to, you know, guys used to smoke cigarettes and drink beer pretty much. And now we've got guys that are, real athletes out there that are you know weight training and their whole job is and life is dedicated to becoming the best human robot they can i guess to some degree right so that's got to you know contribute to it as well would you agree oh yeah and that's i mean right how do you we kind of i was you know talking to a source yesterday yesterday morning we're kind of joking about you know how do you how do you regulate physicality right like you say all right you can you can only go to the gym for three hours a week you know, you got to have three donuts on the first tee box. <laughs> yeah, so, so look, I mean, we're, that, we're, that's an issue. You know, you mentioned the, the club head in, uh, increases. You know, that's going to come from equipment as well, right? We've gone from from wooden drivers with steel shafts to to titanium and composite heads with graphite shafts. You know, and then the last one, which we're hearing some rumors about, and you know, confirmed by a few different sources, from what you've told me, is that. Some of these drivers that are out there on tour might be juiced. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say that it's a pervasive, widespread spread problem, but you know, I've talked to now four different sources about this, and and to a man, you know, uh, I, I think the probably the least persuasive was, yeah, I've heard something about it, and three others that were like, oh yeah, no, that that's definitely going on. So it is my understanding, you know, the conversation I had yesterday morning was really interesting. Uh, my understanding is that um, the issue has been raised, I guess you could say concerns have been raised with the USGA. And, and how my source framed it was, he's like, look, you know, we, we presented it as, hey, you guys have these regulations and we've gone, you know, we, we go to great lengths to, to push as close to those regulations as we can without going over but if you guys are not going to sort of enforce those those same rules universally, consistently, and make sure everybody's playing by them, you're going to have a tour de France situation. Is the analogy he said, where basically, look, it's everybody's just going to cheat because you have if, if it if it means you have to cheat to stay competitive, that's what you're going to do. So, All right, so let's let's back up and explain to golfers out there across the world, like when you say juice drivers on the PGA Tour, let's. Go back and explain how could that? How does that happen? How can it happen? And how does the USJ test for conformity for PJ Tour players? And how are they getting around it? You know. Yeah. So this is this is really interesting because before this came across my desk, I mean, I, I guess I had some 
sort of thoughts on how they did it, but no real knowledge of it. So, you know, I just sort of assume that they're kind of in there checking all the time and every piece of equipment that, that goes into a bag is, is tested and, and things like that. When in reality, what happens is, you know, the USGA stops by each van two to three times a year, usually with some notice. And they basically pull a head from a drawer and, and they measure it. So know? stop right there. A head from a drawer. Uh, yeah, basically. So that drawer, if you had drivers for Dustin Johnson or whoever else your player is, you could easily just not put it in a drawer, correct? Yeah, so, well, and, and this is where it gets even more kind of convoluted. So the big thing is they, the USGA wants to make sure that they're measuring a different head each time, right? So they're, they're trying to kind of get a broad sample, I guess, if they come in. So, But basically, again, you know, maybe, maybe there's another drawer, <laughs> certainly a, a situation like that. And again, so... Let's say, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Just you, a, a company builds a driver for a guy basically day one of the tour season, right? Before the USGA comes in. Uh, before, prior to this year, there was no chance that that driver would ever be tested once it went into play. So that, that's the kind of thing. Like you're, you're essentially testing parts, not, <laughs> not actually what's being used. And so, you know, going into 2017 and, and I have reason to believe it was based on sort of the, the rumblings about some stuff, you know, being used that, that wasn't on the up and up. They changed the, the policy to say, yeah, we, we can now pull a driver or any other club out of a bag uh, and measure it. Now there's, there's some thinking, uh, one of the, one of the guys I talked to told me he doesn't think there's any chance that would happen. PGA tour doesn't want that to happen because, you know, again, Golf is a game of integrity, and to a degree, the perception of integrity. And so, if you know somebody gets caught with a with a non-conforming driver in play, it sort of completely just overturns the apple cart, kind of spoils the the reputation of the, of the entire tour to a degree, and opens up a a huge can of can of worms. I don't think anybody wants to look at. So that's one issue. And the other thing too, again, keep in mind these parts are only tested on tour bands, so. You know, and my source was very clear. He's like, look, we do not cheat. We absolutely measure every head in our van. CT is, is listed right on every head we have. He's like, that said, if somebody wanted to get around the rules, all you got to do is build the club at, at HQ, send it directly to the player. It's never in the van. Yeah, it's never in a drawer. So, right, exactly. And, and, that, and we haven't even talked about the fact that there are tour vans on the PGA Tour but there are almost none on all the other tours or most of the other tours. Yeah, it's, from what I understand, it's, it's, it's you know, limited presence on other tours. Correct. Mm -hmm. So let's just, I mean, let's put it out there that I think that basically there's this supposed distance problem. If you drill down, which the USGA obviously has not drilled down deep enough, they need to, but it's not fair to ch make big changes to the game. And these are big changes, meaning when we put polls out there and say, what would you think about a 20% rollback, which has been mentioned a couple times out there by some of these people, or any type of thing like that? People are actually saying, I would leave the game. I'm not saying this is the solution, but you, great, you made a great quote by saying, there is nothing cheaper than just not cutting the grass. And when you think about that, it brings you back into reality a little bit and go, man, how did we get down this rabbit hole of trying to solve this problem this really complex way when it could be just growing the fairway an eighth of an inch longer, the rough a quarter inch. I mean, let's think of some more simple solutions if this is even a problem. And to finish this off, I would go back and go, Tony, do you even think there is a problem? 
<laughs> no, <laughs> so it's not. Bro. I mean, it's the grass thing is interesting. So again, one of the guys I talked to yesterday, you know, his his job hit affords him the uh, opportunity to play sort of PGA tour venues immediately prior to or immediately after tour events, right? So he can he can kind of get out and, and sort of see what those setups are really like. And you know, he's he was telling me yesterday, he's like, it's the grass is a joke with the way it rolls. Yep. He's like, look, I was I was hitting hybrids off of almost every tee because the ball just lands and rolls forever. I'm getting almost as much out of it with the roll as I am my driver and I take the rough out of play. Look, at the end of the day, I look at it like this. There was one blip when you read that report and it was the 2017 jump. And that 2017 jump has a lot of potential reasons why that jump happened between Nike equipment, the holes they were measured on, swing speeds increasing, launch monitors, potentially juice drivers, longer. Now, there's just so many things that could have potentially accounted for that, that it does seem, like you said, to be more of an outlier rather than the reason why we should be making an irrational change to the game that, you know, golfers love so much, you know? You know, unless unless you can do this, if if right, huge if 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 we decide it's the ball and we've got to do something about the ball, um, you have to be able to do it without impacting the amateur one bit. Because you know, by the USGA's own charts, you know, guys like us aren't hitting it any farther than we did. Yeah, that's the thing we didn't even past. mention today in this podcast, and that's the fact that this distance report talked a lot about pros. At the bottom of it, it had an amateur chart. So just so everybody that's listening to this knows. The amateurs saw a small spike in 2017 and a very gradual one from 2003 to 2016. The amateurs, almost zero at all since, what, 96, Tony? Yeah, so gains for the pros, not much for the amateurs. So so what are we talking about here? I mean, you're trying to take distance away from amateurs, and one thing we've always talked about here is I've never heard a golfer say, I want to hit the ball shorter. Have you? No, I've never played with anybody who hits the ball too far. Yeah, so, at least not. At least not anybody I play with on a regular basis. So once again, I, I don't know, Tony. It all sounds like, you know, I hate to use the word conspiracy, but, man, it does seem like a concerted effort that started with all these ball talks from these big big guys in the industry, which then turned into a distance report that was supposed to prove a lot of things that now that we look at it doesn't seem to prove anything they were talking about. Well, look, everybody's looking for an angle, right? And so – when you look at it from the OEM side, it's what is the what is the business cost? What is the business opportunity? And you know, Titleist number one ball on tour has been for quite some time, not going to be threatened anytime soon. Uh, even retail, they're still in in a really solid position. Callaway obviously feels like it has opportunities to to grow its business and and make more money in, in what I guess we have to call a conventional golf ball market now. But if you look at, again, Bridgestone's a prime example, right, where market share is sliding, um, you're, you're seeing a lot of discounting of their products. So, you know, it, it, they could very well be in a position where they think their, their best opportunity for, for real growth is to, is, you know, through a, a limited flight ball, you know, hey, maybe we can kind of get in a, and, and make the best limited flight ball. And, and, you know, there has been some rumblings, too, about the possibility of a sort of an official event ball, right? Like this is the official ball of the PGA Tour, uh, similar to what we have in the NFL and in the NBA and basically every other major sport. So, you know, if if a company were to somehow land a contract to be the official ball of the PGA Tour, <laughs> imminent lawsuits and, and everything that would come out of from a legal side, not a, uh, notwithstanding, that'd be a huge win. As in anything that is pretty much true in life. Whenever there's a decision to be made, look for what the motives were behind the people that are making those decisions, and you can usually find out what the reason for those decisions are. So 
Yeah, I think I think the USGA wants to protect courses, and I, I think uh, the manufacturers are going to be looking to make money. It's really that simple. Bingo. So I appreciate it, man. We'll uh, end it right here and uh, talk with you soon, man. Have fun at the All USGA. Right. All right. See All right, you. Tony.